and the New Testament about loving your neighbor. In Leviticus 19.18, it says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Zechariah 8.17, And let none of the... And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor, and love no false oath, for all these things are things that I hate, saith the Lord. Matthew 5, 43 says, I, You've heard it been said unto you, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. He goes on, he says, But I shall say unto thee, Thou shalt love thy enemy. Um, Matthew 19, 19 says, Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Matthew twenty two thirty nine. 39, it says, And second is like unto thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Mark 12, 31, thou shalt, and, he second, and the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Uh, and to Mark 12, 33, it says, And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your soul, thy soul, and, all thy, and with all thy strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Mark 10, 27, And he answered and said, Thou shalt love thy God, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Romans 13, 9, says, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, Namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Romans 13.10 says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Galatians 5.14 says, For all the laws filled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. James 2.8 says, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Powerful passages that call us to a, a concept of loving. Loving. This should be a testimony of ours to our community as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are loving individuals. Loving individuals. Before we go any further though, uh, I would like to take a moment just to lead us in prayer uh, to ask the Lord to bless as we look into his word. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we, we thank you for loving us. Lord, we know that we don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But you freely bestow your grace, your love, and your mercy upon us. We are so thankful and blessed by it. And Father, as we desire to be like you in every aspect, to be holy like you as you call us to be, we pray and ask that you would fill our hearts with love. Love for our neighbors. Love for the ones that, that you bring into our lives through so many different circumstances. Help us be an example, Lord, of your love for us to those around us. And Father, forgive us for our failures. We realize that we struggle in this area so much. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace, the strength to be like you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come together, for your word, that we can look into it, for your time, your patience to lead us and guide us. We just pray, Lord, that you would continue, continue your work of grace in each and every one of us. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
to love thy neighbor. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard sometimes to love someone that is unloving, unthankful. Um, there, I'll just share this with you just a little bit. I took a class on toxic charity that was really, really eye-opening to me in regards to looking at charity when it becomes toxic to the individuals that we're trying to meet and minister to. Uh, love is, you ever heard the expression, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just tough love? All right, there is a, there's a world of truth in that meaning of tough love. Um, but truly, the, the heart of love is to, to meet the person at where they're at. Um, and I, I found that, you know, there, there have been times in my ministry that, that you know, as, as we, you know, you're, you're preaching and someone comes in off the street and, you know, they never come in at the beginning of the service. They always come in at the end of the service. They got it timed out just right. They come in, they sit down, and then they, they, after the service, they come up and they say, hey, here's my sob story, and can you give me some money to help me out? And you know what? Uh, I found that I had a, you know, a desire to, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out. Um, but I'd give them money, and I just wanted them out of my life. That's, you know, we don't say that. But what we don't do is take the extra step to follow up and say, what, what's wrong in your life that has led you to this? And, and the, the, the heart of charity is truly meeting the person at where they're at. There's another principle that says never do for others what they can do for themselves. That's a principle that you start causing that person harm by doing that. Um, and if you want to know more about that and stuff, there's a great book called Toxic Charity that I recommend in regards to that. But... What I found that in, in my giving, that I was looking for the easiest way for me to give and for it to, um, and the least amount of time and involvement that I have to, to give in participating in that. And there's, there's a selfish part of that. There's a selfish element that we can have in charitable work because we get the blessing of it. Um, well, I heard this guy and he was talking about they had a low-income toy store, uh, or not a, I'm sorry, they, they had a program, a Christmas program, where they were giving away for low-income families toys to the kids. And he said, one of the things we found out about this program, he said, if, if we, you know, um, we show up with the toys, if there's a dad in the home, he's gone. His pride can't take it. He's not going to sit around for someone to bring in free toys to give to his kids that he can't give to them. So he's gone. He said, the mom... Sh- She's going to stick around. She'll endure it, the humiliation of it, for the kid's sake. And he said, what we found is our charitable work that we were trying to do to bless these kids was dividing families. So he said the next year what we did, he said, we asked the parents, he said, do you remember that feeling that you got whenever you gave those presents to those kids? And they said, yes, yes. He said, we're going to ask you to give that feeling to the parents. And he said, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to start a low-income toy store that those families that qualify for it can sign up. If you'll donate those toys to the store, then those families can come in and buy those toys at an affordable price that they could pay for it. And then it comes from them that they are able to give it to their children. And they get to, the whole family gets to be blessed by it. Because they're, you're enabling someone to do something for their own effort and you're not doing it for them. 
that's truly a sacrificial giving because you give up the feeling and the encounter and all that things. You're doing it to bless the family. He said, we knew of orphanages down in some of these third world countries that he said was getting painted like four times that year. He said, we'd have a church group that would be going down there to do a you know, ministry. And they're like, well, what, what can we do? Well, I mean, we can all paint. Okay, well, let's go paint something. All right. Well, we're going to go down and we're going to paint this orphanage. And he said, they never really took the time to ask the orphanage, what do you need us to do? They just had their agenda and they went down there. He said, they'd send the orphan kids out and they'd scuff the walls all up and stuff like that before the group got there. So they'd come down there and have something to do because they needed something to do. <clears throat> Loving your neighbor is, there's an element to that where you just sit back and you say, how can I love you? What do you need in connection to that? But when I say it's not easy, because sometimes we feel that our neighbors don't deserve it. They don't appreciate it. Um, I've adopted four children adopted two children from Ukraine. And let me tell you, you, you enter some adoptions with some expectations. All right? we, you don't realize that until you go through it, but you, you enter these expectations and you're, you know, you're going through all this work. You're going to go to this child and, and get them in the, you know, in the orphanage and rescue them and bring them home. And, and they're, just, they're just going to be so ecstatic and, and so appreciative. They're just going to love you and, and everything's going to be wonderful. And, and then you, you get home and, and you know, they, they come with their own expectations. My kids, when we adopted them, they were 15 and 16 years old, and they, they were coming to the United States, and they thought they were going to get every electronic device their heart ever dreamed of. They were going to have all these things that they, you know, it was just like they, were, they just won the lottery. That's what they were thinking about. And uh, they never had a mom and dad to tell them no. <laughs> and there was all these expectations that, that collided. And there was hard times. And in the end, I'm so thankful that God brought that into my life. But there are hard times loving your neighbors. And that's the, that's the true element of love, is that even when it hurts, we're going to be faithful to it. Even when they're unappreciative, we're going to be faithful to it. But most of all, if I could do anything, I could build that you're, you're loving your neighbor is your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's grounded on. That's our greatest motivation because we are the servants of Christ. And when the world sees you as the servants of Christ, as the followers of Christ, you shine forth as a testimony of who he is. We believe as believers that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us. That should make us different than the world. And when the world sees that, then they, they see the glory of the Holy Spirit working and molding us and shaping us and, and the love of God flowing from us. It glorifies Him. In Luke chapter 12, Verse 34 of Luke chapter 12, we'll read verses 34 to 37. It says, For where your treasure is, 
verse 34, there will your heart be also. Not that one. We could spend a whole <laughs> message on where your treasure is. There's your heart. But he says, and let your loins be girt about and your lights burning. This is, this is a call for us to be ready, to be ready for service. Your loins gird is you, 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 know, you got your, your day clothes on. You don't have your pajamas on. You got your day clothes on, ready for the day. It's at, uh, like a call to be ready for battle. And your light's burning. You know, you don't, if you, you ever got up in the middle of the night and you're looking for, you know, the lights are out or something like that and you're trying to find a flashlight because you hear a bump in the noise and you're, you spend more time looking for that flashlight. If you already got your light, you're already there. You're ready for it. That's what the lights are burning. You're, you're prepared for that. And yourselves, like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, that you may open unto him immediately. If I could put this out there, in, in your mind, imagine this, that the servants are waiting. Their Lord has gone out to the wedding. He's gone out. He's, he's coming back. And they're not, they're not in their beds sleeping. There's up waiting. They're waiting for the Lord that when he cometh, they can go to the doors and they can open it up and say, Lord, we're here. Come in. We've got the fire ready. We've got the food ready. We've, we're waiting for you as our Lord is returning. That cometh and knocketh that they may open to him immediately. Luke 12, verse 37, it says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. That passage blows my mind. We're talking about the Lord of glory, the great maker of the universe. Here we're called to be waiting and watching him for him. And he says, when he gets back, those that are waiting, watching, He's going to say, sit down. I've got something for you. I'm going to serve you. What we say by how we live our lives is what we say about our relationship with God. Our actions speak louder than our words ever will. They speak louder to your words in your family, in your friends, in our community. I had one of our guests that he was sharing with me his first encounter of hearing about Jesus Christ. He was a little nine-year-old boy, and he said his home was absolutely in turmoil. He was unloved, unwanted. He felt broken, just desperate. And he walked across the street, and there was an old Methodist church, and he said he went into a Sunday school classroom. And he said, as he was sitting in that Sunday school classroom, the Sunday school teacher was talking about her relationship with Jesus. She was talking about how Jesus loved her and how she loved him, how he was there for her. And she was so, she, as he began to just share, it wasn't a Bible story about David and Goliath and you can be like David and go out and fight the Goliath. It was what his heart was broken for was someone to love him. 
that he didn't have at home, that he couldn't find in the world. And he went in there, and there was this woman that was telling him about her relationship with Jesus Christ. And he said, that's what I want. And he remembers it as a small child. That's what he wanted. The world could see us. Would they say, that's, that's the relationship I want in my life? You know, it's, kids, get up. It's time for us to go to church. <laughs> you know what? My, my dad was a pastor. I, I've been drugged to a lot of church services. Um, when the Lord saved me, I was 16 years old. But the Lord took me through a journey in my life where I got to the point, my dad was a missionary in Russia at the time, um, you know, so he drug us to Russia. You know, it's, it's worse, if your parents are dragging you to, you know, church in the United States, that's, you know, you get to go home to your friends, that, he drug me all the way to Russia to go to church. <laughs> <clears throat> and I, I remember thinking that this Christianity stuff is ruining my life. My cousins had written me a letter saying that uh, they'd got their driver's license and they were, you know, just bragging about all this. And here I was stuck in this country like, I ain't even got a chance to drive in this country. That's the way I felt. And I remember determining my heart that when, when, I, um, when I got older, I wasn't going to have anything to do with church. And there was one Russian man in that church that was a friend of mine. And he, he said to me, God loves you. You know how many times I've heard that in my life. But it never touched my heart. Because I didn't want to know it. It wasn't until I was broken that I needed to know it. And he, you know, he, when he told me that, I was like, you don't know that. But I wanted to know it for myself. And that was the journey the Lord began to work in my heart before he finally, one night laying in my bed as I was crying out to God, that he opened my eyes to experience the love of God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that God loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross. I'd heard that message over and over. I'd slept through it over and over but that night it became real to me. By faith it became real to me and I knew I was loved. The creator of the universe loved me and it changed my life. That's what we want the world to see. Not us, but there is a God that loves and there is hope in him in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you can have a relationship with him and it will fix the brokenness in your heart. It will put you on a path to, to deal with all the other issues in your life. We want you to know him. There are, there are all kinds of charitable organizations out there. You know, and I, I've told the board this, I've told them since I've started as executive director that if Christ is not the center of what we do, I don't want to have anything to do with it. There's a powerful passage that says, what does it profit a man 
if he gaineth the whole world and lose his soul. You, we had someone write some stuff for us just recently. And they wrote in there that, you know, our goal is to end homelessness. No, that's not our goal. Because they had no, they could not write for us because they had no idea what our vision was and our purpose was, is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and to share the gospel with the lost and dying world. Christ told us, he says, you'll always have the poor with you. There is not ever going to be a perfect society on this earth except for when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back here and restores all things that will not have poor, will not have needs. What does that mean to us? It means that we have an opportunity, an opportunity to show the love of Christ in a powerful, impactful way in people's lives that are struggling. You know, I, I think in our country, because of the prosperity of our country, and then the government's coming in and taking over the social aspects of charitable work. And I, I, I have to teach this, when the government takes your money and gives it to somebody else, that's not charity. Because if you don't want to give it, <laughs> you're still gonna, they're still going to take it from you. That taxes is not charity work. The Lord loveth a cheerful giver. And there's a principle behind that. But what has happened is that we as the Lord's churches have stepped back. And I found that, that same sentiment myself when people would come to me, well, did you go to this government office and get help? Did you call this government office? Did you call this government? And it's just me saying, you, you know, go, go get your help somewhere else. That almost every case, I can almost guarantee you, every case when someone comes here asking for money, their greatest need isn't money. And if we'll just take the time to say, what is your greatest need? Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. Sit down with me. Let's have a meal. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know your life because I'm going to show you love. Love like you've never experienced before because it's the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that is shining out from us. And they can reject it, but I guarantee they'll walk away knowing that they were loved. And I've had guys that walked away from our rescue mission. They didn't want to be a part of it anymore. I had one guy that he was involved in, he was... Um, uh, if you called wanting to get your fortune read, he was the guy that was answering the phone. People were calling him to get advice about how they lived their life, and here he was in a homeless shelter. He finally said, because he did not have the spirit of Christ, he was dabbling in other spirits, that he could not stay in that environment anymore. And he left us to go live in the woods. In the morning time, when we'd still have our Bible devotions, I would send him the passages that we're reading. I would text it to him. Sometimes he'd respond. Sometimes he wouldn't. One time he did respond, and he said, you know what? He said, I didn't believe the devil existed, but he said, now I do. I got bit in the face by this tick, and my face is all swelled up. And... But he left us knowing he was loved. And we pray that the seeds that were sown... And God's time will take root and bring forth fruit. 
Let this community know that the Christians that love the Lord Jesus Christ love their neighbors by the way that we live our lives. And realize that the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ is the greatest story and the greatest thing that you can share with anybody. And if you don't have that, if you're here today and you don't have that relationship, I'm here to tell you that you can. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The same Lord that gave me hope and peace and joy in my life will do the very same thing for you. But like for so many years in my life, I didn't want it. Not until God stepped in my heart and made a difference. If you're here today and you want that, it's because God's calling you. It's him that is doing that, is drawing you out of his love to make a difference in your life, to rewrite your story, and that his love would shine from you to the world. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may glorify God. It is a joy to be able to share who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and how much we love him by loving our neighbors. And when they reject it, that's not the reason we do it. When they get mad, I, I, I went home one night and I told my wife, I said, if every case was like this case, as I was trying to minister to a guy, we put him in a hotel, I was there, he was just lying to me, he was deceiving, he was just, he was a very hard case. And I went home and I said, if every, if every individual was like this, this would be a very, very discouraging job. But that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. One day he's coming back, and as we're waiting for him, he's going to come in and say, sit down. I'm going to serve you. Thank the Lord for the opportunity to be here with you, and just thank the Lord for the opportunity to be a part of Geauga Faith Rescue Mission. I do, and I thank you for your, your support. Uh, if you want to know how you can get involved, uh, I'll be hanging around here. Come talk to me. Uh, Jen also, she knows a lot, you know, uh, she's, so you can ask her as well. Um, and uh, we need volunteers. We need people. You know, it's a wonderful thing is getting people the opportunity to love their neighbors in different ways. And, uh, and so it's, it's a joy to be a part of that. So just I thank you for giving me the, opp come, the opportunity to come and speak to you and, uh, and to share uh, from God's word what he's laid on my heart.